I love a good mystery, and so does everyone else. In fact, everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey. I know that our listeners will absolutely love this game because you are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder, and you're becoming a detective. You're looking for clues, and each scene will lead you to a new thrilling storyline. This is a great way to engage your observation skills to uncover key pieces of information that lead you on to many chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. Right now, I'm in the process of interviewing family members, and this is bringing me back, just so you know, to my days in law enforcement, and I'm having such a blast with it because it is so much more lighthearted, but it also has the mystery of where will this take me? You can even chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. Megan, I think we should join a detective club together. We've got this. (laughs) Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature. Listener discretion is advised. A family's Caribbean cruise was cut short when their 23-year-old daughter vanished while on board. The desperate search across many borders left her family with few clues and worried about a disturbing fate. This is the Amy Lynn Bradley story. You excited for the break? Yes, I'm very excited. I think we're headed to Puerto Rico. We are? (laughs) Every time I say we, I mean... (laughs) Are you going to Puerto Rico? Yeah, I think James and I are going to visit my friend in Puerto Rico, my friend Karen, for a couple days. She lives in Puerto Rico? She does. It's amazing. I know. How fun, right? I can't wait till we go. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so yes, all good stuff coming up for us. All good stuff. And then uh, Costa Rica for us soon. That's right. All right. Now let's get into today's episode. Amy Lynn Bradley was born on May 12, 1974, to Ron and Iva Bradley in Petersburg, Virginia. Just two years later, Amy would become a big sister when her brother Brad was born. The two of them were inseparable. Mm. The family resided in Chesterfield County, Virginia. Now, Amy did very well in school. She was described as a fireball with a huge heart. Very friendly, very popular. Basketball was her main sport, and she was, I believe she was on the varsity team. She was really good at basketball. Because she was very close with her family and because she had a steady boyfriend, she decided to attend a college that was very close to her home. So she ended up attending a college close to home in Longwood, Virginia, and she got a full basketball scholarship. Oh, wow. Yeah, and she was also on their swim team. So she was very... Serious athlete. Yeah, serious athlete. 
So Amy graduated college in 1996 with a degree in physical education, and she lived with her family for about a year before getting her own apartment nearby. So now we're talking 1997. Amy was working at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. You know Ooh, that? of course I know that. Yes. And she was also about to start a full-time job as a marketing assistant. She also was considering going to grad school for sports psychology. Wow. She had a lot going for her. Yeah. Now, this was a great time in her life, and her brother Brad recalled never seeing her so happy. In March of 1998, Amy's father, Ron, won a trip for himself and his wife, an all-expense-paid seven-day Caribbean cruise. How nice is that? Wow. Yeah, he won some one of, you know, like these like yearly sales conferences some jobs have. So he won a yearly sales contest and they got this all expense paid cruise that would be departing from San Juan, Puerto Rico, and it would be stopping in Aruba, Curacao, St. Martin and St. Thomas. Wow. So now remember I said the family was super close. So Ron and Iva wanted their children to join them. Sure. So they invited Amy and Brad along as their treat. No. My parents would never do that. Mine would have. (laughs) (laughs) At first reports say that Amy was hesitant to join because the open sea worried her. And this seems a little strange. She was a very, very strong swimmer, and she was also a lifeguard. Either way, she soon got very excited for the new experience and kind of put her anxieties aside. I understand the concern about the open sea. Have you been on a cruise? I have, um, but when I was younger, and now I would have the same concern, even though, I mean, I'm not a lifeguard, but I'm a fine swimmer, but it's not really about that. I think it's something a little bit different. The open sea just worries me being well, out there so far and I, I don't know i also think you know being so immersed in these types of stories we know what could happen on a cruise and that's like yeah i guess that's true but i've been on several cruises oh. i'll never go on one again but i've been on many okay. and thinking back i'm like how did i do that it's so <laughs> scary yeah but anyway on march 21st 1998 amy and brad flew to san juan to meet their parents so their parents had left like an hour earlier So the family was planning to meet up together at the airport and board the ship together. They shopped a bit around the port, and then they boarded the massive ship. Wait, meet at the airport and board the ship together? Uh, Yeah. Okay. But then they also shopped around the port by where the ship was. Got it. So that's why. So this massive ship was called Rhapsody of the Seas, and it was operated by Royal Caribbean. Mm Mm-hmm. If you've been on a cruise, you know about these kind of ships. You know, they can hold over 2,000 passengers. This one had more than 600 crew members. It was 11 stories high. Wow. It was massive. Wow. Yeah. So the first day, the family had a very nice dinner together, just hung out by the pool. They drank, they relaxed, and the ship left port and started sailing to its first stop, which was in Aruba. The ship docked in Aruba on the morning of the 23rd, and the family disembarked. So there's a picture of the Bradley family when they got to Aruba, and they all look super happy. This picture is all over the internet. They ended up walking around a little bit. They did some shopping, and they also rented a Jeep to further explore the island. And I did the same thing when I went to Aruba. Oh, okay. Have you been to Aruba? I have. I thought Aruba was beautiful, but it it still makes me think of Natalie Holloway, so it still kind of hurts my feelings. Yeah. So the family, they take this Jeep, they explore the island, they have lunch, they go to a beach, you know, doing the normal thing. Mm -hmm. They return to the ship to get ready for dinner because it was formal night on the ship. Okay. Do you recall formal night yeah, on the ship? I do, actually. Yes. It's almost like prom. Yes. Right? yes <laughs> Everyone yes. gets very dressed yep. up. And again, you could see pictures of the family online. Okay. They all got in their best formal wear. I mean, Brad was even wearing a tuxedo. Like They got oh. super dressy. Yeah. Wow. So the family went to dinner You know, after they took these nice formal pictures. And then after dinner, Amy and Brad went back to the room to change before heading out to the casinos. And Iva and Ron hung back to hang out with some of Ron's colleagues. Because remember, he won that trip. So Mm -hmm. there were a few of his colleagues on board as well. In hindsight, something a little strange happened at this dinner. One of the waiters had asked Amy's parents where she was and said that him and some crew members wanted to take her out to a bar in Aruba. 
It also turns out the same waiter had taken an interest in Amy during other points as well. And Amy told her family at some point that she was creeped out by him and some of the other crew members. Yeah, that's a red flag right there. Yeah. And then another strange thing happens. After dinner, Iva and Ron went to pick up the photos that were taken earlier in the night. So for those listeners who have never been on a cruise ship, they take these formal pictures. Mm -hmm. And then while you're eating dinner, you know, the photographer prints them out and they leave them all out and everyone can kind of go over. And when you grab yours, if you want to buy it, you bring it up to them. Right. So they went to buy the photos and they noticed any photo that Amy was in was mysteriously missing. Oh, that's not So there was maybe pictures of Ron and Iva, but any picture that had Ron, Iva, Amy and Brad was mysteriously gone. Weird. Okay. And the photographer said, no, I remember putting these pictures out. And I guess at this time, maybe they didn't have cameras. Uh, Maybe they did and just didn't look. I'm not sure. But either either way, way, yeah, yeah. the photos are gone of her. But in the grand scheme of things, you don't really think twice about little things like this. Oh, that's weird. And you go on. It's only in hindsight. Hindsight, yeah. Mm -hmm. Shortly after, Amy and Brad met up with their parents on the pool deck for some festivities. They were having drinking and dancing. The ship's, bl- the ship's band, the Blue Orchid, they had just boarded the ship in Aruba and they were playing for the passengers. You know, they're playing like Calypso music. Everyone's having a great time. There's a limbo contest. Yeah, you know, it sounds it's, fun. It's, it's all the fun stuff. You can see some clips of the band's performance online. And you could see Amy hangs out with the band at times. And she's especially hanging out with one of the members of the band by the name of Alistair Douglas. Now, he was a bassist from Granada, and his nickname is Yellow, so we'll be referring to him as Yellow. All right. Around 1 a.m., the ship left Aruba and headed towards its next destination of Curacao. Around this time, Iva and Ron said goodnight to their children and headed to the room while Amy and Brad stayed out. The family all had connecting rooms, so I would imagine the parents just assumed, you know, let the kids have fun and we'll we'll catch up with them later. Aren't they like in their 20s? They are in their 20s. Yeah, Yeah, okay. So Amy and Brad were hanging out with various guests and various crew members, mostly separate from each other. So you would see, you know, so Brad would hang out with some girls, groups of girls he found. Amy would be hanging out with some guys. You know, they would sometimes meet back up, but they kind of did their own thing. Right. They went to the ship's dance club. And again, the videographer on the ship captured many videos of Amy. So she could be seen dancing with Yellow at several times. Okay. Now, at first, they were just facing each other, kind of not touching Then they started dancing a little closer, and then there's a video of him grinding behind her, and they started holding hands. So, you know, these two were seemingly into each other. Meanwhile, Iva and Ron were asleep in their stateroom. However, a bit before 3 a.m., Ron woke up and said he noticed that his kids were not back yet. He got a little bit worried because it is kind of late. So he said he got out of bed and he headed to the dance club to see if he could locate them. Good for him. I feel like if I woke up at 3, I'd be like too tired to actually get up and do anything. I was thinking about a time where I was on vacation and my and no and my dad I was like at the bar and my dad came and got me and it was like one thirty and he was like you're coming in I was like okay yeah no so, I, yeah. I get it yeah I guess if you're worried about your children you get out of bed whatever time it is I mean, you get up at like three a.m. so you yeah, be just true. getting up for breakfast <laughs> that's true so Ron said he saw both of them he located them he saw Brad with a group of girls he saw Amy chatting with the DJ and some of the band members and he said he headed back to bed you know yeah his kids were accounted for yeah. Brad then returned to the room at 3.35 a.m. And we know this because of the electronic key entry. Yep. And then because of another electronic key entry, we know that Amy entered the room about five minutes later. Oh, okay. Yep. So Amy and Brad went on the balcony to smoke a cigarette. And then Brad said he was going to head to bed. And Amy told Brad that she was going to stay out there a bit longer. You know, she said she was seasick and just wanted some fresh air. No big deal. Okay. So around 5.30 a.m., Ron says he woke up. And he saw Amy's legs on a lounge chair and just assumed she must have fallen asleep on the balcony. So he was kind of like half asleep, opened one eye, 
because I guess he was still worried because he didn't know if his kids were home yet. Right. He located Amy by seeing that her legs were on the lounger and he said, okay, you know, so he closed his eyes to drift off back to sleep. The ship was now docking in Curacao. Just 30 minutes had gone by when Ron awoke yet again, but this time did not see Amy on the balcony. So remember, he saw her there about 5.30. He drifted back off. He opens his eyes again around 6, and now he doesn't see Amy's legs on the balcony. However, he does see her cigarettes and her lighter on the balcony, and he noticed a shirt that she wore that evening was draped over a chair in the room, and her shoes were also in the room. So he's concerned immediately. Because he says Amy would never go somewhere without telling someone or at the very least leaving a note. Okay. So he immediately leaves the room. He's go- he heads to the deck to check to see maybe Amy's there. Now, Amy was an avid photographer. Mm-hmm. So she can oftentimes be found like taking pictures of sunsets, sunrises. So he thought, you know what? She must be on the deck, to, you know, taking pictures because we're getting to this new island. Right. But she was not there. And at this point, he's starting to get frantic. It's now 7 a.m. that Ron goes to wake up his wife, Iva. And the two of them go to report Amy missing. Iva and Ron tell the ship's administration that they are worried and they suspect that there's foul play involved. That's interesting, though. I'm going to imagine that they didn't panic so soon because he had seen her about an hour and a half before. I think that's why he panicked is because he saw her and then all of a sudden... I mean the ship. I can't oh, ima- the ship. I, I'm sorry. I, I, yes. can't Im- I imagine that they were probably like, well, it's been an hour and a half, so maybe let's not jump the gun. I, mean, I don't it know. Does, to be honest, it does sound like maybe the family is jumping to conclusions to quickly say, you know, there must be something wrong without even thinking. Or of, they just have really good instincts. Or they have good instincts yeah. and they know their daughter and yep. they know she wouldn't have done that. Yep. So at this point, they're begging for help. They're asking the ship to make an announcement over the loudspeaker. They want the ship to say, like, has anyone seen this woman? Give a description. But the ship says, you know what? It's too early. We don't want to disturb the guests. They probably also didn't want to alarm the guests that anything was happening. I would think so. So you have to understand, it's 7 a.m. People are on vacation. She's only been missing, as you pointed out. It's only about an hour and a half. So I guess I can understand maybe where the ship's coming from at this point. Like, let's give it a little while and see what's going on. A few minutes to eight, they did make an announcement, but the announcement was just asking Amy Lynn Bradley to please report to the administrative Uh desk. So it's not exactly what the Bradleys wanted because they wanted to put out her information in case anyone saw her. Crew members were, they're getting ready to open the ship doors to allow guests to disembark in Curacao. Ron and Iva begged them, do not let, let anyone leave the ship because we want a thorough search. Yeah. They were feared that she'd be taken off the ship. Yeah. Like their their mind automatically went to like something bad is going on. Unfortunately, the crew refused to oblige, which again, I kind of understand they're a business. They don't, it's only, she's only been missing for a little while. They don't want to alarm, you know, people are paying money. They are ready to get off the ship. So the crew says, no, absolutely not. And they allow guests to leave. Unfortunately, no record is kept at the time as to who was leaving the ship. So if you've been on a cruise ship, you know you have to like swipe a card. So when you go on the ship, they know who's coming on. But at this point, when you disembark, you don't have to swipe. But now you do. And last time I was on a cruise ship, you had to also, which makes sense to know who's going and coming. Of course. So meanwhile, Brad's searching the ship frantically looking for his sister. Now, he didn't find her, but he ran into Yellow. Remember the Mm -hmm. band member Amy was hanging out with. So Yellow said to Brad that he was sorry about his sister and that he felt guilty. Now, this is strange. Now, let me explain why this is strange. Because it was not yet widely known that Amy was even missing. Yeah. Remember, there was that announcement, can Amy Lynn Bradley please report to the desk? But there was no announcement and it wasn't even widely known among the crew members that this woman was missing. So a lot of people were like, 
what? Why would, you know, Brad says at that moment, he started thinking like something's going on. Like That's a weird thing to say. I'm sorry about your sister. I'm sorry about your sister. And Brad was like, what are you sorry about? Like, what are you talking about? Right. Okay. Right. Why did he say he felt guilty? Do we know why? Um, from what I understand, it was kind of like I was with her and, you know, we'll learn about what he says happened between okay. the two of them. But basically he was like, oh, I should have, maybe I should have been able, I okay. should have walked her home or something. You okay. Know? So from around noon to one, the crew finally conducted a search of the ship's common areas and the crew areas. They did not search the passenger rooms. Mm. And at first I was like, well, yeah, because they probably were not allowed to. Mm -hmm. But I was very surprised to learn that major cruise lines actually have the right to search your room and your luggage at their own discretion. And this is said as a way to enforce the ship's rules. They want to make sure you're not bringing drugs and alcohol, whatever. Okay. So usually passengers sign off on this without even realizing. You know, you have to sign a million things before you go on a cruise. Well, the fine print somewhere is telling you exactly this. Although many of the biggest cruise lines have their headquarters in the United States, cruise ship passengers are often subjected to legal systems that don't provide the same protections that they would find in the United States. Right. However, when a cruise ship docks at a port, its passengers are subject to the laws of the country in which the port is located. Right. Okay, so anyway, the family was begging the captain at this point to make an announcement that Amy was in fact missing, but again, he refused to do so because he did not want to alarm the passengers. So now it's a little later. What time is this at? um, At this point, it's sometime in the afternoon. Mm, Okay. They also asked if they could distribute flyers with Amy's picture on it. Okay. And they said, no, absolutely not. Really? You know, I I don't know how I feel about this. In hindsight, it wasn't the right thing to do. But the chief security officer spoke to the family and suggested that the family get off the ship and look for Amy and Curacao, where he believed she was. So I think the ship felt, you know, like this is just a young girl. She was hanging out with some guys maybe she met. She Mm. got off the ship and now she's hanging out on the island. Right. She's not here. We looked already. Okay. So I think they just felt like... It wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, it's not a big deal. She's not on the ship, but she's probably on the island. So why don't you go look for her? Keep in mind, Amy's an adult. She's not a minor. Right. Had she been a minor, I would hope and expect that the response would have been much different. But yeah, she she doesn't have to tell her family where she's going. Right. The family was so desperate and they were not getting any of the help they needed. So around 5.30 p.m., they disembarked from the ship to search for Amy themselves in Curacao. An hour later, the ship departed heading to St. Martin as if nothing ever happened, except without the Bradley family. Oh, they stayed. Can you imagine? Just a day earlier, this family was having the time of their lives, and now they're alone in a foreign country, desperately looking for their missing loved one. No. And I don't even know, like, do you stay or do you... I wouldn't know what to do. Like, maybe she's on the ship and, like, she she's in a, another room or, like, injured or... Yeah. I wouldn't know... Or maybe she's in this foreign country. That's a really hard decision to have to really make. Really hard. I think they probably put their faith in the ship um, when they said, we search and she's not here. Right. But again, they didn't search the passenger rooms. Right. So let's talk about what was going on with the, quote, investigation by the ship. I okay. say quotes because I'm not sure you can call it that. But some crew members were questioned by ship officials. Remember, of course, Yellow. He was questioned because he was one of the last people seen with Amy by many accounts. Mm-hmm. Now, the accounts differ, though. This is the problem. Mm -hmm. There were two college students who reported seeing Amy get in an elevator around 6 a.m. And then they saw Yellow leave about 15 minutes later by himself. So they didn't put the two together. They said they were together. And then Amy left at 6 and then Yellow left 15 minutes later. Okay. Another witness at the club reported that they saw Yellow give Amy a dark colored drink around 6 a.m. Okay. Yellow denied knowing anything about Amy's whereabouts, and according to him, the two went their separate ways 
a bit after 1 a.m. He says he went to the staff elevator and he didn't see exactly where she went, but he believed she was heading back to her room. So any surveillance confirmation of this? You're getting there? Well, many witnesses saw him with Amy much later than 1 a.m. I was going to say know that. that, yeah. As far as the footage, I I have not read anything about the security cameras on the mm-hmm. cruise ship. There's footage from the videographer. Got it. That shows them dancing and, you know, that, but... Um, seems like he's already lying. It seems like it. And something else that seems strange is after his interview, there were reports of him giving other band members a thumbs up and smiling. Like after he left the interview room, they're like, that's strange. I don't know. People were yeah. kind of, you know. I mean, we can speculate about what people do and what their behaviors are, but I don't like it. Yeah. And also, this is also could be just hearsay. Yep. There's no video of him doing yep. this, this, you know. So meanwhile, local authorities in Curacao conducted a land and sea search for Amy. Now, at this point, it had been over 24 hours since anyone had seen Amy. Well, now I'd be really worried. I'd be very worried. Unfortunately, their searches did not reveal any trace of Amy. So the family contacted the FBI, which I think is a good move. Yeah. Now, remember, the disappearance technically happened in international waters. So things get a bit complicated when you're dealing with international waters. So these are areas of the ocean that don't fall under any any one nation's jurisdiction. So they're beyond what we call a nation's reach, which means that no one technically owns them. So this gets a little tricky, right? I remember when we talked about the Colleen Wood case, this was also tricky because of her being out on water. And like, it's it's definitely very, um, it's it's not straightforward when you're out on these these waters. Absolutely. And interestingly, I did not know this, but countries own the waters that stretch out 12 miles from their shoreline. So I'm up say to 12 I miles. I feel like I covered that in Col- Colleen Wood, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So it's, so basically, if you're 12 miles, if you're, you know, 10 miles from Curacao, then you're going by their yeah. laws. But Amy may have disappeared when they were out of the 12 mile reach. Right. So what happens beyond that? What if a crime happens aboard a cruise ship that is further out? Well, it's not so clear cut. Oftentimes, yeah. you see it's the law of the country who owns the vessel or the structure in which the crime has been committed. Got it. Bit problematic because. You know, ships are often on the move. So this creates jurisdictional issues because let's say a person from the U.S. commits a murder aboard aboard a cruise ship Mm -hmm. that's owned by Canada. Right. But they're in in international waters. Got it. But between the time of the crime and its discovery, the ship might enter the territorial waters of, say, Jamaica. This is this is tough. It's a mess, right? So any country or international organization can theoretically claim authority over the matter using the idea of universal jurisdiction. Got it. Anyway, sorry. I just found that so interesting. I had to share. Yeah. Clearly, things are super confusing. And I learned this after doing research. I can't imagine the Bradleys are sitting there being like, you know, trying to figure all this out. And they were also distraught. And they were really at a loss of what to do. Oh, yeah. But I think contacting the FBI is a good idea. Because where do you go, right? So at the advice of the FBI, the Bradleys traveled to St. Martin. That was the ship's next stop. Okay. And they demanded to speak with the captain. Okay. So now we're in the early hours of March 26. So now officers, along with search dogs, arrive on the boat to interview people and conduct their own search. Finally, passengers were made aware of the situation. So this is like not good. Passengers are now made aware of a situation. It's, yeah. it's more than 24 hours. But unfortunately, there were still no leads. On March 28th, the ship returned to its original port in San Juan, and the Bradleys flew back home to Virginia without Amy. Oh, I know. That's devastating. Devastating. Although they were home, all of their energy was still focused on finding Amy. Of course. They posted on social media. They had a website. They were desperately looking for answers everywhere they could. They still very much believe that somebody took her off the ship against her will, and they very much believe that she was still alive. So they were not giving up any hope. Okay. 
Yeah, that, well, yeah. they didn't have reason at this point not to think she was alive. You know what I mean? Yep, so it's, exactly. it's a tough call. Yeah. The next month, Brad and Ron returned to Curacao to look for answers. Mm. So they did their own kind of like foot search, stopping mm-hmm. and talking to whoever they could. Right. They did get a few leads that turned out to be false. But there was one taxi driver who said Amy had approached him and asked where she could find a phone. But again, that didn't that was kind of a dead end. Whether or not that happened, it was. Or whether or not it was even really her. Exactly. Yeah. There's no way to know. Right. Then a body was found and the family was alerted because authorities thought it might be Amy. Mm. However, it turned out to not even be a woman and it was just a few fragments of a man's bone. So there would be a lot of getting, you know, thinking they're getting somewhere and then being let down again. It would be a couple of months, though, until the next tip would come in. This one was interesting, though. This was a Canadian man who was vacationing in Curacao when he said he saw a woman who looked like Amy on a beach and she was with two aggressive looking men. He says the woman tried to speak with him. He believes that maybe she heard him speaking English because he was speaking Uh English. And then she kept kind of like looking at him and trying to get his attention, he felt like. But the men dragged her away to a nearby cafe and then she left with the men. So the man says he didn't think much of it until he saw an episode of Unsolved Mysteries that broadcasted Amy's picture. And he said he was very confident it was her. Okay. So, I mean, this seems promising, but it really would lead nowhere. Yeah. It's a tough lead to follow. But it does give the family hope that she is, in fact, still alive. Right. Then comes, I think, an even more promising tip. And this is from a former naval officer. Now, he claims that he saw Amy in a brothel in Curacao where she begged him for help. He says, she said, I'm Amy Lynn Bradley and I need you to help me. Now, he did not help her, nor did he report it until months later when he heard about her case. Why? And what was he doing in a brothel? Well, that's the problem. He was... Maybe he was worried he'd be in trouble because he was on active duty. He was in the Navy at that point. And he didn't report this? Yeah. He he doesn't say why, but he says once he heard about her case and put two and two together, then he reported it. Mm. God. So as we sometimes see in these types of cases, actually, we see it pretty often, Megan. The family is getting frustrated with the lack of progress, and they didn't feel that the FBI was doing all they could. So they decided to set out to hire their own investigators. Yeah. We always say that's what we would do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is where they meet Frank Jones. Now, Frank Jones was a man who said he was a former U.S. Army Special Forces officer and that he worked closely with a team of ex-Army Rangers and ex-Navy SEALs. Okay. Sounds like someone who can get stuff done, right? Yeah. Now, he assured the Bradleys that he'd be able to get Amy back. He said he knew exactly where she was and he was able to confirm that it was Amy by her many tattoos. Now, he told the Bradleys that Amy was being held in a heavily guarded compound with other women who were sold into sex trafficking. But he said, don't worry, me and my men, we can get her back for you. Okay. So the Bradleys had a lot of hope. I mean, I would if someone, you know, said that. Yeah. So sounds like, you know, he's got conviction. Absolutely. And he has a group of these highly trained, Mm -hmm. you know, people who seem like they know what they're doing. Mm hmm. Now, he worked very closely with the family, and they were they had this elaborate plan that they were going to send a group of men to rescue her. But this was going to be a very difficult and expensive operation. Oh, boy. Yeah. So the Bradleys paid him hundreds of thousands of dollars, oh really feeling like this was it. And, you know, I don't blame the Bradleys because they asked for proof of life. And Frank Jones showed them a picture of Amy. What? It Get looked a-, a picture that looked just like Amy. Okay, okay. Okay, and you know, it matched her tattoos. It was a woman of her same size and hair. Is this ha- a scam? Unfortunately, Megan, yes. Frank was taking advantage of them. Can you believe that? I just got oh, the chills. So I know. I. Oh. Now listen to how this all the unravels. Depravity. Oh my Awful. God. One of the men Frank had, quote, hired, 
called the Bradleys out of guilt and told them this was all a scam and they really had no idea where Amy was. Frank had been paying people to lie and even fake that picture of Amy by finding a woman who resembled her and painted fake tattoos on her. This is so disgusting. This is as bad as it gets. I think so. Think of the, not only the false hope, the wasted, who cares about money, but the wasted time when, you or, know. Or they uh, could have used that money to Of course, to put they it, care about money, but, but I'm saying, yeah. It could be resources to actually help find her. So yeah. it's, you know, burning your resources when it's you awful. need them. Ugh. Awful. So I couldn't find much on what happened to Frank, but I did read that he was convicted of fraud. Oh, good. And ordered to pay the family back, but I'm not sure he ever did. Yeah, because even when you're ordered to, if you don't have the money, it could be forever. And he sounds like the kind of person who probably doesn't like save his money. He's a scam artist. Oh, that was awful. Okay. Things were quiet for several years until in 2005, somebody claimed to see Amy in Barbados. Mm. Now, this woman claimed that she was in a bathroom in a department store and she saw this woman who was very scared and very upset, like kind of hiding in the bathroom. And then three men came in to get her and said, let's go. And then they kind of ushered her out. Now, unfortunately, nothing came of this tip. But again, the family is still holding on hope because somebody is claiming to see Amy alive. Plus, this seems to be a repeated theme where the people who are submitting tips have seen a woman very frightened being ushered out. So and I understand, but I do see a repeat and maybe yes. reason why they, they're thinking this. Although we, you know, we see we see cases where people hear tips and then yes. it's almost like confirmation bias. Like, yeah. oh, you see a woman who's with two men. Oh, that must be Amy Lynn Bradley. Right. That's absolutely true. But the same year, a picture emerged on an escort website that looked very much like Amy. I actually want to show you this picture. It's crazy. Okay. So the woman's name was Jazz, and she was a sex worker in the Caribbean. The woman in the picture was not able to be located. Huh. So, Megan, I'm going to pull up the picture to show you. Wow. Right? That's tough. It it does look a lot like her. And I don't think it's her, but it looks like her. It looks like her, right? What Um, did her family think? Her family... Thought that it this could be something, like and I think they Several hired. Years had passed. That she's it looks, you know, the hair, the makeup, everything is obviously different. But that looks like her. It looks like her a lot. I mean, it looks like someone who's been through some shit, right? It, it does. It does. I, I, I don't know. That's yeah. tough. That's tough. So you would think with technology today. I mean, I know that they had some. They hired some people to do like a side by side forensic analysis. Yeah. And it looks like it's a pretty close match, but nobody can say for sure. And they right. cannot trace this. They've been trying to trace, you know, the origins, the of, the origins of the photo. Mm. That's really the last big lead. There's one other thing that comes up in a moment. But 2010, the family um, officially declared Amy Lynn Bradley deceased, but say oh. they have not given up hope. Oh. And she's still on the FBI's most wanted missing persons list. And that was really it, other than in 2010 when a jawbone washed up in Aruba. And this was first linked to Natalie Holloway. Oh, okay. Wait, wait 2010, you said? Mm-hmm. Oh, So goodness. for those of you that don't know Natalie Holloway, we covered her story in episode 14. So at first, everyone's thinking, oh, my God, this might be Natalie Holloway. It's not Natalie. Oh, my God, maybe it's Amy Lynn Bradley. Right. Um, so the DNA test was negative to Natalie. Uh-huh. But as far as I found, no other tests had been performed. It is thought to have belonged to a Caucasian woman, but there are at least seven missing people that fit that description. I'm not sure why they, if they were able to say that it's not Natalie, I don't know why they can't say it's not Amy Lynn Bradley, but I wasn't- That was my next question, okay. I wasn't able to find that. Okay, so we don't know whose jaw. We don't know whose jaw it is. Seven missing women there, huh? I would believe, based on what I 
read about the Bradley family, that I'm sure they got it tested. And, you know, I just, I would imagine, I just so. didn't find that information. And really, Megan, that's where the case stands today. There has been no publicly known movement in the case. You know, I have some theories that we can, we can list some theories. Um, but I am curious, of course, what our listeners think. But Megan, I'm curious, what do you think happened to Amy based on what you heard? Whatever happened to the crew members who she found creepy? Were they interviewed as well? I don't know. Okay. I would hope so, but I can't say for sure. I mean, this is a tough one. Is Also, is um her father, was he positive about seeing her legs? I know that's a weird question, but... I, I believe him. I think so. Unless he was dreaming or something. But remember, Brad was out there with, regardless of if he's, maybe he imagined her legs there. Yeah. Brad was out there smoking a cigarette with her not long before that. So it seems odd to me that she would then leave the room or leave again after 530. Yeah, that's what I think. Like, I wondered that she had plans to meet back up with someone and she didn't want to tell Brad. Which is a possibility. The other possibility is she, if if she was slipped something, mm -hmm. she just out of it, and she she could leave the room, and you know what I mean. Like she might. If she was that out of it, wouldn't she have fallen asleep on the lounge chair? Right. Not 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 necessarily. No. She no. She could have just been like the synergistic effect of alcohol and drugs. Might have you know. You ever see those people? She wanted to go party more. Maybe exactly. I was thinking of the people who um, take Ambien. And they drink too, yeah, and it's so like it's not always like yeah, it's not always date rape drug it's, that you think right, of. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so it's possible. Uh, you know, I have to say this is really difficult. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to say for sure. I mean, it doesn't sound good. You know. Yeah, there was some you know speculation. Oh, maybe she jumped overboard, but there was absolutely no reason to believe that Amy. I'm not thinking she died jumped. by suicide. No, yeah. I'm not thinking she jumped. I am thinking that it's possible if she was that inebriated and had been slipped something and that she could have fallen. But yeah. I think someone would have seen something. They also they were in very shallow waters because they were already docked and they did do a land and sea search. Yes, it's possible if she fell overboard. And even if it's in shallow waters, her body could have got pushed out to sea or something, right? It's possible, but it's possible. But she it was an avid swimmer, although she was inebriated. If it was shallow waters and they were docked, I'm going to say it's likely not an accident. I think somebody would have seen something. I yeah. think there would be a body. So I'm probably, you know, if I had to take a guess, I would go with the more ominous, and that that is, she was probably a victim, whether mm-hmm. or not she was a victim of a kidnapping mm-hmm. for you know trafficking purposes or a victim of, you know, a homicide. Yeah. I don't know. And these things happen on cruise ships and which is why yeah. I said I don't I don't want to go on cruises anymore. There have been similar stories of people going missing from cruise ships and families that still don't have answers. I know that you know the case of George Allen Smith, the gentleman who was on his honeymoon in 2005 oh, yes, and yes, he yes. accidentally fell overboard. Yep. So they say, but it's something sketchy about that and the family's still searching for answers. And actually, a year earlier, there's another gentleman by the name of Chris Caldwell. Similar story. In both cases, you have men who were drinking, hanging out with other passengers. And very quickly, it was assumed, oh, they are drunk and fell overboard. But they were not given proper investigations. Mm. It doesn't look good for a cruise ship to say that, you know, these things are happening. The only other case that I found that was very similar to Amy's was in 2011. Rebecca Corium, she was from Britain, and she worked aboard a Disney cruise ship. And what happened? And she, she just seemingly vanished. vanished, like vanished out of thin air. Well, and that's not good for publicity. Disney cruise ship, you know, a woman going missing. I'm sure they have really strong PR teams that hide these things. No, it's not good. And this is 
this is part of the problem is that you're out in, you know, open sea and it's very easy then to dispose of human remains. Yeah. And it's very easy. To, it's almost like a lawless. It's like a wild, wild west floating on the water. Like there's yeah. kind of no law in a way. Yeah. Jurisdiction's murky. The good thing is that as a result of the increase in these types of cases, in 2006, the International Cruise Victims Organization was established. It's mostly made up of victims or survivors of tragic events that occurred on wow. board a cruise ship, but their goal is to make the cruise industry a safe place, a, a place where people can go. They're not looking to throw down the cruise industry. They're not saying, you know, you you should shut down. They're saying like, no, let's play nice. Let's work together. Yeah. Cruise industry, victims, survivors. Making how can we make- accountable too. Making them think. more accountable. Actually, there's also the Cruise Vessel Safety and Security Act that was passed in 2010. And that, for the first time, advises security and safety requirements for most cruise ships that embark and disembark in the, from the United States. Okay. And under this act, uh, so under this act, you have the FBI, the Coast Guard, the Maritime Administration, and they developed model training standards that cover, you know, crime prevention, evidence preservation, just a way to have more standards. And, you know, I think it's clear, regardless of what happened to Amy Lynn Bradley, I don't think that there was any type of correct protocols followed. Oh, it doesn't seem to me like there were. No, I, I'm going to say that you need something also standardized and, yes. and like something where this is exactly what we do. which exactly. triggers like, you know, certain levers, what we're going to pull and what we're going to do when someone's reported missing on a cruise I ship. I agree. And now there's still an active $25,000 reward for any information leading to information about Amy Lynn Bradley. So if anyone listening has any information concerning the disappearance of Amy, contact your local FBI office or nearest American embassy or consulate if you're not in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So, Megan, what should people do in cases like this? Like you said, like, you know, should they have stayed on the ship? Should they have contacted the captain sooner? It's really. No. Uh, yeah. First of all, no, they acted so swiftly that it's, you know, they acted I would say quicker than a lot of families probably yeah. act. I think the family did whatever they could. I think the company, the cruise company, has a duty to conduct a reasonable search immediately upon learning of a disappearance, whether it be an adult. Obviously, if it was a child, I think the response would have been different. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, think so if a too. person is not quickly found aboard the vessel, then they need to do a proper sea and land when relevant search and a search and rescue should be undertaken. And maybe like, yes, people are on vacation, but sorry, your vacation is going to have to be cut short because maybe they should return back to the last location where the person was seen. I agree. I think right? you have to prioritize and, a missing person. Yeah. And crew and passenger members should be notified immediately. It's actually shocking when I researched this case to see how many websites and blogs there are about people who go missing or who are victimized in some way ab aboard cruise ships. Well, it makes me think of when you were saying this and the victimization, it makes me think of victimization theories. Yes. When we cover them, like routine activities theory, you know. Victim when you, precipitation. Yeah. I mean, when you have the, or I think of routine activities, I know it's usually a macro level theory that mm -hmm. applies to like, yeah. cr like group crime rates, but it really means when you have the absence of capable guardians. So, but you know. But there should have been cameras. Right. Uh, but I'm just thinking yeah. there's a suitable target and then, you know, motivated offenders. It's like these things are, it's almost like the perfect, you know. The perfect storm. Uh, yeah, on a you cruise ship. You have alcohol, ship. you know, you don't we say have that certain Exactly. Certain places are more likely to generate victims. Deviant place theory. Yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, there's a lot of these. Uh, that's what I think of. I think of these like victimization theories yep. and why cruise ships are, they're almost like hotspots, I yeah, would say. I agree. I was also surprised at how many law firms specialize in these types of cases. 
cases. Did you ever know there's such a thing called a cruise ship lawyer? Nope. Like they're they're out there. Like these things happen enough that there's whole law firms. You see a lot of them in Florida. Oh, that yeah, that the makes whole sense. practice actually focuses on things that happen aboard cruise ships. I did not know that was a thing. Well, that's also the other thing. You know, these law firms, they probably get settlements all the time because none of these big cruise ships want to actually go to litigation. They just want to do under the table like, OK, here, I'll give you this. You know, they want to settle no, out. And we're not talking about just murders here. We're talking oh, no. about a lot of different crimes that probably happen. I would think there's a lot of assault, a lot of theft. I even uh, think know. like unlawful searches and seizures. They probably yeah. get a lot of yeah. those because the fact that they're allowed to search your room without you knowing. Right. That's right. not cool. Do you remember that um, somewhat recent case of that baby that fell overboard? The mm. grandfather was holding her. That was terrible. So tragic. And I do believe the cruise ship did have, I know that the grandfather had liability um, being charged, I believe, with manslaughter, but the cruise ship also because some of the safety procedures. So right. a okay. lot of these things happen. But anyway, if you go on a cruise, just be safe. I'm not going on a cruise. <laughs> if, if you're a listener and you go on <laughs> <Sorry>. a cruise, <laughs> if, if you're listening and you go on a cruise, just be safe, know your rights. Yeah. and um, I think, you know, something we can always say is buddy system, right? Remember, you know, Brad, you can't blame Brad. He went to bed. He thought Amy was going to bed. Amy left by herself. But I think a good rule of thumb is if you're going on a cruise ship and you're drinking and you're partying, just make sure you're always with someone. Yeah. Buddy, buddy system is always, because if you go back to routine activities theory, if you're with someone else, your odds of being victimized are much lower. Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you next time on Women in Crime. Women in Crime is written and hosted by Megan Sachs and Amy Schlossberg. Our producer and editor is James Varga. Music composition is by Dessert Media. If you enjoy the show, please remember to subscribe and leave a review. You can also support the show while gaining access to ad-free episodes, exclusive AMAs, and other bonus content for a small monthly contribution through Patreon. For more information, visit patreon.com slash womenincrime. Sources for today's episode include The Charlie Project, Troubled Water Disappeared on ID, NBC News, ABC News, CruiseLawNews.com, Vanished with Beth Holloway, Dr. Phil, BusinessInsider.com, and InternationalCruiseVictims.org. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.